Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi guys, DJ here, just to let you know um, the audio on this podcast. For the first couple of minutes, there's a humming noise that I think is actually um, the filter and the fan on my laptop. So I'm trying to figure out how to get that out, but I didn't manage to get it out for this one. And then uh, the reason that's there is because we started recording off the Zoom app late. Uh, Then there's a humming noise comes in halfway through the zoom conversation that audio file that we try to reduce down as much as possible and make it bearable but uh we're not <laughs> we're not sound engineers and we're not tech whizzes so a good bit of work went into just trying to make this listenable hope you enjoy it apologies that the the audio fidelity isn't uh up to standard but it's still a great chat and uh enjoy the podcast and uh yeah just a, a shout out to to david and kim our uh two latest patrons on patreon so thanks a million for uh, sign on up guys we're really glad that you like what we're doing and um, hope everyone's staying safe and enjoying a couple of casual cans of home Berbua. right so hi everyone and welcome to the self-isolated uh, for this week's um, podcast myself DJ and Owen are joined by two special guests this week uh, we've got Peter Breen from the Portlaoise Pub Club and we've got Tommy Kyrie from RJ Kyrie's auction house and also Tommy who has just released the Irish Design Podcast. Guys, welcome to the self isolating welcome to Snowcast. Cheers, thanks for having me. Yeah. Cheers. No bother at all. And, uh, no bother, Pete. Thank you. You're welcome, Owen. Good, uh, good, good that we got this sorted technologically before you came on. But, um, Fair play, I wouldn't have the technological capabilities to do that. Uh, so, 
Brilliant. Um, I suppose, first of all, Peter, Portlaoise Pub Club. Uh, do you want to give the, the listeners and viewers just a bit of background information into uh, how the pub club came about and um, what, the, what the pub club is all about, really? Yeah, it's, about, it's essentially a, a social Fifi these days. Fifi's doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's getting a statue. <laughs> <laughs> Is there enough brass left? Uh, just then, um, Peter. Like I've got, I've attended the pub club. Um, I've only made, I've, I've only managed to make. I, I think it's one of them really difficult things. Like I, I really admire what you're trying to do. Like I've attended a pub club once, simply from availability as opposed. As, as opposed to anything else and we went to the Cavanaugh's in Portlaoise and had a really good night and drank some really good good leash beer when we were there like I think I was drinking 12 acres uh, that night and you were drinking Valley Cavanaugh if I remember so, so, you know like there was there was local beer available and, and in fairness I think I think the pub club has evolved into like this blog and kind of social media campaign to promote Irish drink as well which is really really good and, and obviously ties in really really well with what we're trying to do um, with the Snowcast too so so I do think like like it's funny the way and obviously on lockdown you're like obviously the pubs are closed which is something that we're going to talk about in a bit more detail later on but it is it is really really interesting that it has evolved and and, and the blog you know you put up the blog post and and I think we've done I've done two blog posts so far and uh, I did, I have a third one in mind that I'm kind of trying to sketch out at the moment in my head uh, I don't want to just vomit it down onto the screen and make the balls of it about the very topic we're going to talk about tonight. Um, 
but but it's a it's a brilliant idea and i think as well port leash actually has some really good pubs and people don't get to see it that much which is a shame but but it does have some really really good pubs yeah it, it does um it wouldn't exactly be known for um you know good pubs or whatever i remember when i first moved here i went to a night out with some of my friends and um there was like a hen night or something and, uh, in one of the pubs and we were like go for a hen night why would you choose port leash of all places um but from being here for a few years um i've kind of grown to like it and there are there are actually some really good pubs here which is quite good um yeah and yeah so i mean i do try to it's not a sort of a requirement or anything like that to you know if you want if you're coming along to the pub club you can drink whatever you want and you know drink lucas aid if you want but uh i do try to champion like the local breweries and distilleries and so on as much as i can i think it's i think it's important i think it's the future really um, not just because they make better beer, but just they support local jobs and everything else. And it's just variety as well, rather than having just a monopoly of one or two or three breweries in the country. I think it's great that we have like, what is it, 80 plus now in the country, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. In, including distilleries, it's like 200 and stuff, isn't it? Like, so, so there's a great yeah. variety. In, like, no matter where you are in the country, you can get, there's some, somewhere local producing. And I'd love to see more pubs like supporting them. I think yeah. Yeah. it's it's a slow progress, but I think we'll hopefully get there. Um yeah, and, and I suppose it's something we might touch on in a bit more detail later on about hopefully like maybe pubs will support local a bit a bit more even after um we come out of lockdown and, and like we support the local pub and the local pub in terms support local suppliers. Um Tommy then uh, I suppose you you've been on the podcast a, a few times in the past. Um but uh, as an Egypt as opposed to like uh, what what you've been doing in the last while, which is um, obviously um, heavily involved with uh, Kyrie Auction House in Waterford, and uh, you, you've you've started the Irish Design Podcast lately. How's that going? Yeah, so we just launched the Irish Design Podcast um, about two weeks ago. So uh, yeah, it's been going well. Um, it, we've been getting great feedback. I suppose the main premise of it, I suppose, why I set it up is, I suppose. We deal with lots of people on a regular basis that buy at our auctions that are either doing up a house, doing up a restaurant, a pub. And I felt if I interviewed interior, the people that, that um, I really admire, um, interior designers, uh, people doing really cool projects, if we could sit, sit them down and talk them through, I suppose, what they do well, what they do not so well, get tips and tricks for them, um, I think it can add... Um, a lot of value for people. So that's, that is the basis of our podcast. So we sit down every week with Ireland's top um, interior designers, um, whether they're doing that as um, a full-time uh, job or if it's just um, a pure kind of passion for them. Brilliant job. Yeah, I've actually, I've, I've listened to the, the first two now and um, like as someone who has absolutely zero interest in interior design, it's still fascinating to listen um, how people are growing, how, how they've grown, like a social media presence, yeah. or like even just where to get inspiration from and, and ideas from. And then I suppose it ties in really well with, um, you know, the auction house. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've spoken probably off microphone uh, a bit more about, you know, upcycling and, and repurposing yeah. stuff and, and even the sustainability of yeah. um, the whole, the whole, that whole sector. Um, yeah. Because I, I think that's going to be huge over the next kind of five to ten years because I suppose antiques are, I suppose, the oldest form of recycling. Um, and it's the oldest 
recycling in in um, industry as per se. So I think I think it's it's got a huge role to play over over the coming years. So um, I think that's kind of a big focus of kind of what we want to touch on as well. You know, I thought it was very good in the last episode. Sarah um, where is it Sarah Twig is this that her yeah, name? Sarah yeah. Twig Doyle or something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so um, just I thought it was quite quite interesting to say that, that you know she was on about like say the mix of the old and the new and stuff and that how she was saying that like Ikea can be very good for like storage solutions and you know yeah. being able to put a, a shelf up on the wall or you know do all the things but then you want to have that like statement piece or not even statement piece, but like even like a solid like bookcase or whatever in the corner yeah. that's you know yeah. quite nice and like you know she's even saying like that a lot of like staples like say your couch or whatever like the more modern couch is more comfortable and that's yeah, what exactly. you want in the house but like yeah. but like to have like a antique mirror or something over it that's kind of you know contrasting against it I, I don't know I thought like again similar to Aaron like like well I, I just move into a new house and. Um, um, and like you are, I suppose I am thinking more about these kind of things, really. But um, yeah, I just thought it was very fascinating. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good, like really well produced as well. It's way better than this, yeah. this yoke. <laughs> no, thanks. No, like, I, I think it's just been real, realistic that like everyone, not everyone lives in a Victorian mansion or a big Georgian manor. So we all live in small, small houses these days. So it's about actually being real being real for what's actually out there. People are living in smaller houses, they're newer houses, and it's not that uh, older stuff is much better than newer stuff, it's just what you can do, how you can yeah. mix and match things, I think, you know? Well, I think as well, like even to bring it back to the, like I suppose themes and tones along this podcast is, um, you know, in the auction house, you have pub auctions quite regularly. Yeah. And um, it, it brings it in, Peter, as well, like that, what gives a lot of pubs their character and their soul is, these like antique pieces and different bits that you'd see in a pub. Um, like t- take for example, between Ballyragged and Port Leash, say where yours, where you're situated is Bob's Bar in Doro. And like Bob's Bar in Doro, for anyone who hasn't been, has like a vintage petrol pump outside the door. And then you go in, there's like all mad cool stuff all over the place. Like take our, our favorite pub in Waterford, Phil Grimes. Like there are some really cool bits around that pub and I think I think antiques give a pub a certain mystique and a certain feel of like you know a, a lovely rusticness that that goes a long way in a pub it does yeah I think Bob I think Bob's actually called themselves a museum pub um it, and it kind of is like just all these different rooms with different kind of themes in them and it's really it's a fantastic pub if you're ever in Doro um but yeah I think that's the really great thing about pubs is that they're, and I think it's kind of unique to this country that they're all unique and they're all independent family run, well, not always family run, but quite often family run businesses. Um, and they're all different. So in a world of, you know, chain, you know, Weatherstones is the word you're looking for there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weatherstones in a word, yeah. <laughs> but even like shops and, and, you know, franchises and all this kind of stuff, everything is is the same there's a lot of sameness and kind of copy and pasting every pub in ireland well not not necessarily every, there are some chains i guess but pretty much all of them are different yeah. and they're all have evolved in different ways and some of them are hundreds of years old and they've kept some of the old relics that you know have, have been there yeah. collected over the years and it adds a lot of character to it 
Yeah. And I think that's one of the big things. Like, I think that they did a poll with um, you, 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 US tourists. And I think, was it four out of five said that one of the main things that they wanted to do in Ireland was visit an Irish pub and go to an Irish trad session or, you know. So I think they've got a big part to play in our culture, who yeah. we are, what we are. And I think, I think we, it's, what's the name of them? Falcha Ireland or whatever the tourist board. They rec- they I think they have the pub as the number one tourist attraction in the country. Like it's mm. recognised as the yeah it is I guess the main thing that people come here to see. Yeah, because it, and it's free it's as well for them as well. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like, they, they until you get to the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Especially Temple Bar. <laughs> yeah, just don't start. But uh, the pubs pubs contribute like two point four billion to the exchequer every year as well. Like the, you know that the the industry is a huge. Um, cash cow as well for um, for the government too and I, I think I think that ties into to what we kind of wanted to discuss today I suppose before we get into the nitty gritty though uh, Peter what are you drinking tonight? Uh, right now I'm on the 12 acres um, where do I have the bottle here somewhere um, pale ale a classic classic, classic um, yeah. I haven't or- had 12 acres in a while so I've kind of decided to stock up a bit I've also got the rye IPA coming up next which I really like oh, too nice. so, so that's me just down the road in collection as well so a small yep. carbon footprint on those two bottles to get the exactly on, uh, there you go brilliant uh, Owen are you still walking away through the lockdown IPA no sorry no I am on <laughs> The classic castaway cast classic i actually um i got them as a so for all the listeners out there it's my 30th birthday on sunday um so i got them as a 30th birthday present from uh, the crew and work there today so uh i was happy enough there still them two cans of luncheon brilliant and uh i suppose castaway like tom hanks film is quite relevant as well for all those people stuck at home on their own in lockdown too um, yeah, exactly. So, talking to uh, what was the name Wilson? Is it? Uh, I say uh, there's a few Wilsons after being created at home there now. Uh, I caught Kira there the other day. She was talking to the Hoover like so. We have one of those robot Hoovers goes around the house like so. She was like very often now all this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, you need to, you need to get out more. Plenty of people leaving big handprints on their balls as well. Um, <laughs> I I I I don't drink at home that much like which. You know, I and it really ties into this episode. I absolutely love the pub. The pub to me is more than just a pint. It's socialising, and it's the whole essence of going for the pub. So I'm still going through Kildare Brew and Lockdown IPA. I know it's on Merview now, so it's backwards, but uh, oh, it's so juicy and delicious. And uh, I had a couple of cans on Tuesday, and uh, I should be finished them by tonight. And then, of course, uh, I got a delivery today from Beer Cloud um, of a big mix box uh, for the crack communities um virtual beer uh festival next weekend what's um, beer cloud beer cloud is um it's actually it's great it's an online um i, th- I think it's a uh, dead center brewing um run it it's an online yeah. um basically an online off license and you can buy all different beers from there and usually i, th- I think usually beer cloud and craft central and though and 57 the headline and these online places mainly deliver Dublin, but i think they're doing nationwide deliveries at the moment just to, to sort the poor fellas like us down in the corner of the country that are tucked away uh really really good and um i've got i think i, I think i got 12 different beers there for that next saturday so um 
I think we've we've got a guest lined up for next Friday, so I might have to go easy on that because I've got a box to get through on Saturday. <laughs> and uh, but it shows how um, cooperative like the the breweries are in Ireland now. Yeah. Um. That you know, dead center. I mean, they're in that loan. I suppose they're using their geographical lo location to kind of gather up whatever many breweries they can um, and get them all into one place into their in, I think they've a, I've never been there but I think it's a pretty big facility they have there so they're obviously just with the lockdown and everything they're just using that space to to sell beer out of from yeah. even yeah. their com competitors really yeah, and what's brilliant crazy. as well is actually in the delivery there's uh, three or four breweries that I haven't had before because purely from mm. that geographics point of view they haven't been in the southeast or in Cork so I've never yeah. never kind of come across either of them um, I've got a couple of these breweries so I look forward to getting stuck into them next week and uh, I suppose Tommy we won't leave you out what are you drinking yourself? Uh, uh, plunged Orange Pale Ale uh, I think it's from the north um, sorry about that um, and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still uh, Ireland yeah no it is no, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, and to our North Irish uh, watchers and listeners that's uh, it's not it's just uh, I, I, just, I, oh, I, I wouldn't like to be uh, to be contributing orange. Yeah, plunged orange isn't the political statement of an IPA, no. No, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, it, it's all right. Uh, it's all right. It's strong. It's punchy. But uh, yeah, she will. She will rip into it. Brilliant. And um, that's great. So we all we all have a good beer. We're all going to chat about pubs. I suppose there is something that Peter definitely you've been talking on social media the last couple of days. Uh, I've been keeping my eye on it and trying to make up my own mind on what I think is the right thing to do. And I think it's good to just discuss it. None of us have discussed this with each other really yet, um, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out, but I suppose tr three or four days, uh, over the last week um, basically Simon Harris, the Minister for Health in Ireland, uh, basically said that he thought pubs might not open again until a vaccine was available in 2021 was the earliest. Um, since then the, the Taoiseach Ireland's Prime Minister, Leo Bradker, uh, came out and said that Sweden left his pubs open while uh, lockdown was on or, or, or while they were dealing with COVID because I think Sweden didn't essentially really go into lockdown. So he's a bit more optimistic. And um, it's quite interesting when you look at it uh, as an industry, it's been decimated really, I suppose, the pub sector. Uh, Donald O'Keefe of the Irish Vintiers uh, Association said that you know, keeping the pubs closed until 2021 would be a nightmare scenario. But in fairness to him, like he wasn't purely playing the corporate uh, game either. He did say, like, no matter what happens, uh, the the Vintiers will uh, support measures that is in the best interest of public health, no matter what. So he did he did have the your scenario. I'll comment with that. So I suppose uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts first of all on pubs opening, and then there's a few other. Uh, quotes by economists and stuff like that that we might get stuck into as well but first of all I suppose Peter we'll, we'll go with you first and say um, what's your take on on pubs when whether, when they should be open again or what you know what's your what's your suggestion yeah I, it's really a tough one I think the, the short answer is it's impossible to know really um, I mean people's health has to be number one without you know that has to be the top priority for for any decision we make um, but at the same time, the way we're going at the moment, it's not sustainable. And that's not, you know, that's not easy. Like I, I'd love for the pubs to be open right now. I'd love to be going for a pint tonight. Um, and, but, but it's just a simple fact that it's not sustainable. Like the, 
the pubs right now are not paying uh, wages. They're not paying rates to the the council. They're not paying rents. They're not paying, or well, probably in most cases they're not paying rents. Um, I'm not sure about insurance if they're still paying that. They're not paying like Sky Sports and stuff like that. But and that's all great. So we can kind of keep tipping along like this. But you know, it's not sustainable in the future. How 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 much longer can we go without an an economy, without destroying it? Um, so I, I I don't think there really is an answer. Um, the we can we can reopen pubs and start introducing you know social distancing. That's something that's maybe been floated, um, which is probably fine for bigger pubs. I did ask some before coming on tonight. I did ask some pubs around Portlaoise and uh, a couple in Limerick actually um, what their thoughts were. There was one actually in Limerick, JJ Bowles, that mentioned that they have a large river terrace. So, you know, the social distancing, if they did open, would could work for somewhere like that because they have a bit of space outside. And then your know, places that have multiple floors and stuff like that. But then like the smaller places, you know, I'm just not sure it could be viable. I think most of the pubs that did that did respond were kind of the same. You know, the welcome in here in Port Leash, um, it just kind of said it's not really viable for most pubs. Um, Tracy's up here uh, just outside Port Leash, it's a 200-year-old uh, pub, 240-year-old, eighth-generation family business. Um, and they're kind of saying their main bars is too small. They just can't. You know, can't it just wouldn't? I don't. I can't see it working really. Um. It, well, I suppose it could work, but it would be awkward. You know what I mean? It would kind of feel. If you can imagine sitting in a pub and like you have to keep your distance from everybody, um, and it, it just it kind of feels like it might be tense. You know, like it, it's supposed to be like this sociable place that we go to and we unwind, but if we're all just sort of sitting in the corner to ourselves. Um, I'm not sure how it would work. So yeah, I, I don't have an answer. I guess, like it could be, if pubs reopen, if we tell pubs to reopen, and so if if some of them say, look, it's just not viable. If I open up, I can't actually make enough money with the social distancing and the size of my pub. I can't make make enough money to pay my staff and to pay, you know, the um, the suppliers and so on. What do they do? Like, if they can't open, do, does the government keep supporting them? And if so, can the government afford to keep supporting them by, you know, not charging rates and not charging whatever, um, paying the staff the, the three hundred and fifty or whatever it is they're being paid at the moment? Um, I don't know. It's it's a really hard one to call. I think maybe bigger pubs might might support it or might be able to do it. Um, oh, yeah, it's 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 probably. From a punter's perspective, you know, you could argue how you could social distance and stuff like that. And there, there might be those discussions that are being able to have had. So the other thing probably is that the smaller pubs are the ones that are most at risk as well and the most yeah. most needing support. But um, I suppose as well, Owen, like for, for pub staff, like, I, like, I don't know if you, if you, like you worked in a bar in Portugal back in the day, like, you know, it's going to be really difficult for pub staff to social distance from each other using the one till a lot of the tills are touch screen and then like you're pulling a pint of guinness and there's a, a bottle of powers behind you that and an owl lad's looking for a, a powers off another member of bar staff like do, do you wait until that person's gone 
you know, bars are narrow, like how do you pass? Like there's a lot of questions to answer there. Yeah, I think um, I, was, I was actually kind of thinking about this and I was talking to a few work and stuff today about it, but like, I, I don't know, personally, I think that maybe like table service or something like that is going to have to come in whereby you can't, like people can't be up at a bar. Like how do you, how do you social distance ordering at a, at a bar? Like how yeah. do you, sure, it's the, like you're nearly shifting people up at the bars, like to how closer and trying to edge in and order yeah. stuff. I, there's no, like there's no way so, yeah, I think something like table service will have to be a thing that will have to be implemented in if it is um, going to uh, open back up. But, like, honestly, like, obviously it's way too early to determine uh, how we're going to ease back into things. Like, every day you're kind of getting a little bit of hope and then they kind of shoot you down, like Tony Hogan goes, no, lads, uh, don't be getting excited now. May 5th is only a, a date. Like, don't be... Don't get out of anything like through. Yeah. If it's going to change anything now, if you know if today was today, like we wouldn't we wouldn't be using restrictions. So what's going to happen in a few weeks' time? Um, but like personally, like I think that pubs probably should be the last thing to open. Like you go into a pub with all the will in the world uh, to social distance, and then you get a few jars into you, and you're hugging and high fiving and everything all over them. Like I think. I think it's just very. I think it'd be very, very difficult, um, and and even and even just like how pubs are laid out as well. Like um, as you're saying, like so narrow. Like a lot of pubs, it's really, really narrow. Um, so it's it's going to be a really, really, really difficult time for pubs. Um, and yeah, I just like. I wonder, like those, like those pubs, like maybe like the Wander Inn or something, like who have maybe about three customers a night anyway. Like, are they the ones that will? open back up like you know and have the premises paid off um, but, and but things then, like that you know like but then again that's that's in breach of competition law that you know tell out one book to open and another not to you oh yeah yeah I know, I know that you're getting into real loopholes there and I think I think in fairness like the Irish Engineers Association sometimes get put across as um, like money grabbers and stuff like that on, on the media but I have to say like their quotes in relation this have been really really good and they have like said straight out a pub is probably the hardest place to enforce self-isolation unless you yeah. really, really limit your number of people you can mm. win. Um, I suppose Tommy is someone yeah. who's trying to run a business at the moment, who who's trying to fucking do the best by your staff. Now you face different challenges than pubs face. Like I, 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 I can imagine as, as someone trying to run a business, you're, you're, you're very empathetic with the the publicans and the owners of, of small locally owned pubs in Ireland. Yeah, because I suppose pubs and restaurants and hotels are a big part of our business. People are doing jobs on, their, on those premises, so we would totally empathise as it has a massive impact on us, but I suppose from what you were saying, I was actually listening to RT, I think it was the day before last, and they had Charlie Chalk on, you know, who runs the Chalk Group in Dublin. They've, they've, lot, they've lots of bars, and they're obviously asking him, how would you manage it? Um, and he, what I basically got from him is, and I, I kind of get it, if they do a phased opening or basically like what we're doing with all the rules, where if we go back to normal in, in a phased manner, it could be more dangerous for bars if they're opening in a phased manner because if someone does go and they have a shit night or if they do go and it's a bit awkward or it's a bit tense, they might want to go back for a long time or they may never go back. They might be like, I'm actually used to sitting at home and having like, – 
just having a few beers at home and saving a few quid, which I'd hate to see because I love the bar and I don't really like drinking at home, do you know? So that'd be my one fear about bars when they do open is if it's going to be very awkward and very hard to do a, a socially distanced um, reopening, um, I'd fear for how viable any bars would, lots of bars would be. And to be honest, if I had a bar and I was, I was paying back to bank on it, if I borrowed money, I don't, I don't know. I'd say there'd be a lot of bars that may not reopen, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that, that's something that, like, I suppose the banks need to be smart about as well. Like, they're not going to get these loans repaid if yeah. they're going to mm. force, force the issue. Like, and, and I mean, like, ultimately, like, they need, they need to be a bit smart in the long game as well. Like, they're going to have a lot of bad debts, like, if they, if they do enforce that. But I suppose during as well, Tommy, I was thinking while you were talking there, like, say you run in the auction room there, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's probably you've adapted and changed and gone more online and, and you're able to, I suppose, keep separate. And you're, you're a family run business as well. So you're probably yeah. all together anyway. Like you're not mingling with other people. So it's not like you're going to work and there's, there's like a, an exponentially growing network of people who could intermingle then, you know, yeah. whereas I suppose with pubs, it's usually one or two people, maybe a handful of people in the smaller pubs. Like yeah. if one person goes down, then all of a sudden, like, who's going to volunteer to work in a bar as things reopen, like it's a big challenge. Yeah, very tricky, I think, yeah. In a bar or a restaurant, if one member of staff goes down and, and, and they take down the whole team, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to fathom, really. Do you know what I mean? How how could a, yeah. how would you come back from that? I think, I think Even there, what, Tommy, what you're saying about, um, about like having a bad experience in a pub as well, like it's actually like the busyness of a pub that is nearly the addition of its character. Like you hate, like you hate going, you know, when you're in a pub that's empty and like, yeah. it's just, you know, one or two, like, especially if it's a quite big pub or whatever, like, you know, and you go in and it's empty, like you don't feel like it's ever going to be a great night. Like you, you want the chatter, you want, yeah. you know, you want it to be busy. So like, I wonder like, well, I feel like that the, the character and like the atmosphere and everything of a pub will, be completely different and like yeah. will it even be as an as enjoyable like will it actually be something that you know as you're saying will it be something that people will want to do if they go back and they're like what the hell is this this is yeah a kind of a like this is what i want like this is i want to be in i want to be busting up against people i want to be nudging people at the bar i want to be talking shite when i'm ordering a pint you know yeah. It's, yeah it's those kind of it's those kind of experiences like that you want from a pub like you know mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You mentioned earlier on about maybe having a table service, which is I didn't think of that myself. I think it's probably something that could work, and it probably would have to be what mm -hmm. we we do. But it just reminded me of, you know, going to like pubs in America, where you know you just kind of sit there and you get your, you know, the waiter comes over and order you order your drinks, and it's just not the same as it is here. No, where not at all, no. you know it's much more sociable and. Um, yeah, and I, the Morrissey's pub here, uh, I think his name is Tom from, he, he does a, he has a pub in Abbey Leaks there in Port Leash here as well in Carlo. And he mentioned that he'd be kind of okay with the idea of reopening with strict, you know, social distancing. But he mentioned also as well about maybe reduced opening hours. So I don't know if that's maybe another thing that might be yeah. littered that you only open for certain hours or certain days or whatever. They could revert back to the Tom Mars um, opening hours where he opens for two hours only and then 
And then I think that uh, was it, it was an hour and a, or was it two hours on, two hours off kind of job, was it? Um, I think like it was that, like twelve yeah. to two, twelve to two, four, four to seven. I think. Yeah. Four, yeah, four to seven. Yeah, yeah. And then like half and eight until ten or something, wasn't it? Like it was. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe maybe Tom maybe Tom knew what he was doing. Like. <laughs> I think I think yeah. as well. Ban women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't endorse that. Anyway. That's, that's that's the official view of the Irish Design Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, Lost all my listenership. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think as well, though, like what it's it's it, it is a really challenging it, it is a really challenging time for pubs now. Like the other the other side too, like what tram at the busy pub on a Saturday in the character. Some of my best nights in a pub have been in like Roar Leash and Ballyroan where Neil's from and you're there with her dad or her brother-in-law and there's eight people in the pub and there's a big it's a big bar and everyone's sitting around the bar but you could you know you could easily enforce social distance and then that's it um, mm. but then like I said it's, it's, it'll be a bit like anti-competition um, if you were to if you were to try and do that uh, I, I do think as well imagine that bar though Imagine that bar now, like right. So I assume all eight of them are kind of nestled around one kind of bend of the bar or whatever, all chatting shite. Yeah, like, and then then you enforce social distancing, and you'll have. Did you hear that, Tom? Did you hear what he said, bro? <laughs> What's he saying? Tom doesn't hear half the stuff that's yeah. next to him. So yeah. I, think, I think as I think as well though, like. I feel I feel very sorry for the publicans at the moment as well. Like I was speaking to a guy who runs um, a restaurant in Waterford yesterday, and uh, he's basically I was asking him about how are you getting on and how's the lockdown affecting you, and he was like, basically he's running the restaurant on his own on a five-item takeaway menu, and he's pretty much like he's not losing money or making money doing it. He, he said like if he stayed closed, he would he would be earning nothing but losing nothing. He said he's literally earning enough to keep him going, but he's only doing that to keep himself occupied. And like, get away from the wife. Yeah, yeah, but publicans don't even have that <laughs> option, you know. And I do, I do genuinely feel sorry for them. Um, and I think, but like, like, yeah, Peter, sorry. That's the thing. Like, I mean, right now, like, if if a pub is closed, like the wait, like I said, the wages are paid, the rates are paid by the government, are not just you know they're waived by the government or whatever. And you know, say Sky Sports is being waived and stuff. But if they reopen, then they make that decision. Like they have to take on all of that debt, and they have to make that decision. Like, can I make enough to pay all of that? But the thing is, if they don't, if they decide that they can't do that, what happens then? Mm. Yeah, close up for good, or do the government keep supporting them? Or well, I, I think I think you might actually see in a perverse way, like almost the way a handful of property owners did really, really well out of the, the housing collapse. Like, you could, be, you could be in a situation where that prick from Weatherstone's owns 60% of the pubs in Ireland in two years' time because he got yeah. a load of cheap... He hoovers them all up. Because, you know, and he's leasing them or something, you know, and I, I'd, I'd be very, very wary of that. And I do think that the sector really, really, really needs protecting, which actually, you talk about how would you pay for that kind of stuff. Uh, a guy, Dr. Alan O'Hearn, an economist, um, proposed that pubs would add an additional one euro per pint and ten euro per meal, while capacity was down and they were they were recovering from this. Um, 
you guys probably know my political leanings. So straight away, I think that puts the burden on the person attending the pub and disincentivizes them, one, from attending because it's going to cost extra. Uh, but another thing as well is, like, the banks are still going to get their money and there's no guarantee that the pubs redistribute that extra money to, like, paying back staff or whatever. Uh, what, what do you take? What, where is it, what's your take on potentially there being, like, a, a COVID levy when pubs and restaurants reopen uh, to try and balance the books for 2020? Uh, oh, and I'll go to you first on that. Um, actually, me and Tommy were kind of talking about this last night. Um, and, yeah, like, I just, I think, like, if you end up, like, putting a levy or putting some sort of, like, additional cost on um, pints or putting on meals or whatever, you're literally disincentivizing people from returning to those places and people won't want to go. I think that people will be, you know, people who can afford it when they return to pub will be quite good-natured in terms of tipping and, you know, paying that little bit extra. Um, like, I know, I think I, I, I was saying to you, DJ, that we, we might do... Um, like some like when the polls go back open, like um, do some sort of promotion of like you know like a ten or a pint or something like that kind of um, thing just to try and stimulate. Because you know I don't I don't think people will mind paying it, but like if you're told to pay it, yeah, like yeah. it's 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 people just won't do that. And um, and then in terms of things, I think that the government could do is like ban a few, like just take away some of your taxes, like your, your tax on alcohol and stuff like that. Um, and try and, you know, you know, cut, cut down the, the price that's going to be, that the, that has been taken off the pubs. Same with VAT and things like that. Like take that tax away uh, for now. Like, you know, you're, you're getting tax already from like, like the income from the, from the people working in the pub, like just lower the rate of tax for just a, a period of time. Like, you know, quite a high rate of tax anyway like so yeah I, th- yeah I think i think one of the counter arguments to that one w- would be that like I, su- I suppose like you know me and you looking at it from a personal perspective we're still being paid because we're both working you know in the health service so we're still getting a wage throughout this time there'll be a lot of people strapped for a lot of cash at the end of all this personally so even even at that like if you take like was there like half a million people have been made unemployed over in the case of a month like you take that half a million people at the end of this they're not going to have an extra tenor to, if, they, if they have to spend an extra tenor for a meal and an extra euro for yeah. a month on top of it I, well, I, I'm actually kind of talking I'm talking about that kind of Patreon approach yeah, of absolutely. like those who can afford it and you know who want to patronise the yeah. pub industry yeah. will pay that amount and who can afford and do, will pay it Whereas those who can't afford it, that's fine. You pay the amount, like, you know. I'm all, and I wonder, yeah. I'm all for a socialist recovery in the pubs where, like, those who can pay a tenner a pint pay a tenner a pint, so those who can't pay three euro a pint. That'd be, that's, that's my utopia when it comes to, like, society. But uh, go on, Tommy, sorry. Cut across I wonder there would be a thing for um, a bar to raise cash or to get them through is, would be to release some ec, 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 equity in in a bar so you could join a bar i suppose a like to have with the football clubs in Ger- germany um, yeah. or on the continent that if they le- release 10 to 15 percent of the value of the bar or something as per se you could buy into that as a means of i don't know it just something like that may but surely every business is is, is in the same boat here yeah exactly really, yeah 
you know, restaurants, cafes, the whole lot. I mean, there's an awful, there's an awful lot of, you know, money that needs to be made up here. Yeah, but I, I think it's, I think as well, I suppose, in the service industry, pubs would be dis, disproportionately affected because, yeah. you know, like like I was talking to Roman yesterday, he's able to do a takeout menu just to keep it ticking over. Whereas, like, it's very difficult for a pub to do, like, like from a health and safety perspective, how do you do door-to-door pints and, and like, mm. uh, yeah, there might be demand for it. You know, the, the, the independent craft brewery industry have really rallied behind each other, like we touched on earlier. Yeah. Um, and and you know you're able to now all of a sudden I don't have to go to Phil Grimes or Grady's Yard to get a pint of Citra or to get a pint of something from Eight Degrees I can buy it off Beer Cloud or something like that now so it's it's that I can't ring up Phil Grimes and ask for a pint yeah, and yeah. get it delivered to my home and then it's I can't, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah but then I, it's almost better two kilometers now I deem an essential journey but like you know you, you, it's, it's, <laughs> they're disproportionately affected like the really good businessmen and creative businessmen and businesswomen who are running cafes uh, restaurants are finding creative ways to keep a bit of cash flow going obviously they're, they're probably still in deficit but that option just isn't there for the public um, yeah, you don't see it happening. I, I've seen some English pubs doing it because, you know, obviously in England, Cascale is still a big thing over there. And, you know, they're, they're, I've seen some, you know, from whatever few I follow on Twitter or whatever, doing takeaway services because it's always better from, you know, the cask or whatever rather than buying it from the bottle. But, I mean, they can't be making a huge amount from that, really. Like the the pub, it is like like Owen said earlier. It's the last one that's going to open, and I can't disagree with that. Like really, mm-hmm. because it's and restaurants w- wouldn't be far behind, I suppose. But at least with restaurants, you can you have the tables, and people are sat, you know, a certain distance away from yeah. each other, and you can skip every second table or something like that. But pubs are much yeah, more. Yeah, you find bookings, everything like for yeah. restaurants, like you know, you're yeah, um, you just all around is the toughest, yeah. And it's the staff, really, yeah. like we said, you know, you'd, you'd feel for staff if they're uneasy, but I suppose that you're always going to get people that are going to want to work, so, yeah, know, so, so be it. I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to shock you, lads. I'm going to give Leo Varadkar a bit of credit. Oh. Um, are you ooh. feeling all right there? <laughs> is this recording? Is this recording, yeah? <laughs> isolation, it is, yeah. Isolation is getting to me. Is fairness, he listening? Fairness, yeah. Leo, like, <laughs> he very rarely gets it right. Well, he did say like any increase in prices uh, from a pub or a restaurant would not be government led. Uh, and he did say that much. Now, uh, yeah. oh, you made arguments to say it might not go far enough, but I, I really do think that there is um, there is a shift in society. I hope it lasts, and I hope I hope in a pub and restaurant scene it lasts. Like you know, and, yeah. and I and I do hope there is that kind of let's all rain together because. I do not want Phil Grimes or Grady's Yard or Cully's, J.K. Welch's, any of these great Waterford pubs. Um, Tom Mars, that, that Sarah Jane Hansen in the Parlour Tea Rooms has just taken over. Like, I do not want any of those closing because I really want to go in and enjoy them ASAP. Um, talk it like, I th- I, it's so difficult. I think, you're, I think you were spot on, Peter, at the start when you said, like, there is no right answer. And I think you're right on and probably there saying that, like, it's the last place that probably should open because, like, mm. Uh, they've said the pubs have said it themselves. Uh, it, it's it's just not feasible to to enforce social isolation. And even if you try, it's not like like 
it's one of these things that you could theorize about it and put down on papers ways that it could work but in the real world and in practical sense it's never going to work is it like yeah like the one euro charge i, I mean i'd happily pay an extra euro right now to, yeah. to, to have a pint in a pub but uh, how many of these pubs responded to me? There's about half a dozen of them, and it was universal. None of them agreed to putting an extra pound on the pint yeah. or whatever. Like, um, I think put a bigger tip jar on. The uh, yeah, tip, yeah, that could work. Yeah, but, but I, think, um, I think the challenge is the the rent, uh, yeah, the fees, the license fees. I think. Yeah, I wanted, like, you tip you tipped on like government or VAT and stuff. I think like. The, yeah. the, the economic challenges are going to be strife that it's going to be very hard for the government to relent any tax that's currently being paid uh, but at the same time too like there's like there's absolutely huge amounts of PRSI that's not being paid through bogus self-employment and there's loads of corporations using loads of loopholes mm -hmm. not to pay huge amounts of tax like if you genuinely had some proper um Fucking regulation of the tax market with corporations, you could e you could easily offset a lot of the suggestions that you made earlier on. Like, I mean, if 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 couriers and and construction workers um were not deemed self employees um and were allowed by the welfare board and were allowed to to actually get employee contracts and their employers had to pay PRSI on those contracts, that's that's a fortune that's sitting there untapped and being abused. And I think. If you were able to tap into that and use it, I, I, not just for pubs, like, but for, you know, increasing the, the bed capacity in ICUs and hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. I think, like, society needs to make this, like, really progressive change so that it isn't, like, you have to charge an extra euro for a pint now for someone to mm. get a pint. And the person who, who's being charged doesn't have that extra euro to pay for X, Y, and Z. And I, I, there's, there's a huge, huge change needed at the end of this pandemic, if we want to continue enjoying pubs and restaurants. And but again, that the only fear is, and they're saying that obviously this, uh, that they've only touched on, I suppose, that we like this is going to cost us all a fortune as a country. And does it give way for, I suppose, any future government? Um, I suppose the excuse for um, a long period of austerity, or do you know, it's always a good excuse to enforce austerity on the common man or the common pub or the common restaurant, you know, uh, in two years time, in three years time. So it may be all rosy, well not rosy, but we may get back to a level in a year's time, but you just got to fear down the line, you know? Yeah, I think, I think austerity, I don't know what Owen and Peter think about this, but austerity is the the easy and lazy excuse for the politician, I think. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I think what we should all be doing as individuals now is challenging our politicians to find a non-austerity way out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well, like, at, um, like the European Central Bank are offering rates uh, to government to borrow of minus 0.75% at the moment. So, uh, like, it actually makes sense to borrow money at the moment to, and, like, yeah. you'll make money borrow money at the moment from the European Central Bank. So, like, it's bullshit as well to say that this is going to cost the government money. Like, it, you know, I think, I think for the, their estimates for, uh, like, you know, paying the 70% on 
on uh, people's wages and paying the 350 euro charge for everyone as well is going to cost um, something like 3 billion euro. Whereas like Ireland's GDP every year is 300 billion euros. So you're talking like 1% of GDP that's being spent on this. Like, so it's not actually huge amounts of money. Like they're, you know, like considering like the children's hospital is like 3 billion euro, like it's not actually going to cost like a significant amount of money. Like once it's just, it's, it's the reestablishment of the, econ- of the economy that's, the real issue like that's yeah you know the government can't afford to actually uh you know sustain us for the time being and um, there has been like measures put in place for us to sustain this like you know it's not as if like the last recession happened and we were like ah oh, forget about that uh, we'll, we'll never prepare for something like that again like there is actually measures in place and the european central bank has prepared wholeheartedly for it as well and has that kind of thing as well you know there is there's like, you know, you can print money as well, like, you know, uh, that like will actually um, stimulate the economy and, you know, it can be done in a controlled measure. So it's a, it's a bullshit thing to say that it's not affordable. Like, you know, yeah. um, when you're, when, when you're balancing the books year on out and stuff, uh, year in, year out, like, yes, you have control measures there, but like when there's a pandemic like this, like money can be created. So I, I think like, it's very kind of narrow-minded to actually look at the economy in a like, oh, we had X amount of spend this year, and now we're running way over. Like, it's it's a different. It is different. Like, I know economists now, like, but from 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 what I from what I do know, it's it's you know, it's not as it's not as if we just we have fucking you know a couple of billion in the in the bank, and if we run out of that money, we're we're fucked. Like, you know, it's. It's 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 a bit different to that, like you know. So, I I don't think austerity measures will come in. Like yes, there might be less spending on capital or something like that, um, in a few years. Like but you know, there is means of just changing around our our um our system, our you know our government system. Like yeah, and like one thing that was definitely something from the 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 pubs that I messaged was that the. Instead of increasing the charges, it was they, they, they constantly say, "Why not reduce the excise duty?" We have one of the highest excise duties in Europe. Yeah. The VAT rate, I think, was increased from, I think, it was a thirteen percent or something in the hospitality industry up to twenty three. Um, yeah. Like, I, I know DJ, you're kind of saying like that. That's not, you know, that just it's not sustainable either. Like reducing taxes that much, but. I Maybe advocate, man. I, I, I think you should be cutting excise duty and, and fucking. I'd love to see it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think you should be going after the fucking big boys who are absolutely yeah. raping us for, for the amount of income tax they pay. Like the likes of yeah. Facebook and Google and Apple who pay 0.2% tax on their profits. Fuck that. Make them pay. Like if Jeff Bezos is making billions and yeah. billions of dollars every fucking week, then why should the rest of the world have to fucking pay for? Yeah, and here we are discussing that, that that we didn't fucking make it, you know. Yeah. And, and why should why should Yellowbelly Bear or Kildare Brewing Company or Twelve yeah. Acres or any of these guys go to the wall? Why should the welcome in and in Waterford or Leash go to the wall when there's enough money in the world to pay for all this? Like that that's you know, and I, and, I, and I know I get shit at times for being a socialist, but like at the end of the day, there's enough money in the world so that everyone can get through this without suffering. Um, yeah, and, and if there was political will, it, it would work. Uh, and and the, the money is there. Like I mean, the money is there. 
Uh, but it, it's, it, it's a political yeah. issue. Yeah, it is. And, know, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, if, if, if our politicians care about our heritage, culture, pubs are part of that, uh, a lot of the trad music scene, a lot of the Irish speaking scene outside of Gaeltox are dependent on pubs to thrive and survive, which is a huge part of our culture and heritage and the draw of tourism, as Tommy touched on earlier. In order for that to continue, you need the pubs to survive and the pubs need to maintain their character and maintain local ownership to keep that character. We can't have fucking 20,000 weather spoons in Ireland and nothing else. Mm. Otherwise, we just become fucking, you know, Generic. Sort of talking shit city. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we can kind of keep saying like what, what should happen, but like you're saying, like it's whether it actually happens, like Mother Max down in Limerick mentioned that they... They have a, the the government have an anti pub bias even before all this happened, and yeah. it's hard to disagree yeah. with that. And like, if you try to introduce, you know, reduced excise duties and VAT and stuff, you're going to get a lot of resistance from, you know, the, the whatever you might call them, the temperance groups, you know, the anti anti alcohol groups. Because if you if you start making alcohol cheaper a lot of people will get angry and the government are not necessarily going to want to touch that so that, that's an issue as well yeah but I, I i think if you're on the opposite side to the iona institute at the moment you're winning so. uh, <laughs> yeah well, just that yeah, now, yeah. Let's, let's let's wrap it up on a much more positive note uh i'm gonna go around and ask right give me one point Give me one point that you really loved in 2019, where it was and what the point was, and give me one point that you can't wait to in 2020 or hopefully not 2021, where and what. what? Oh, say that question again. What was the first bit? So, give me, give me a point that you that when I say what was a great point from tw- point from 2019, where and what was it? What comes to mind? And then what are you really looking okay. forward to when the pubs reopen? So, Owen, I'll go to you first there. Uh, right, um, a, p- a point that I really, really liked in 2019. Um, uh, I don't know, I think, um, actually, yeah, I'll tell you now. Um, so I really enjoyed, like, so it, it has to be Phil Grimes anyway, uh, pub like, right? But um, there was that period there where... Um, was it eight, was this was it eight degrees brewing company that were doing all those um like the yeah. six balls five balls or that that or the orange ball sorry orange ball yeah. green ball yellow ball all those rack them um, up, up yeah yeah this, those um and I, now I can't tell you which one or anything of it uh, actually I think it could have been the orange ball that was that was that was pretty tasty all right um but yeah I think it was it was that whole experience of going in and like seeing the new label up. And you know, oh, Tom gives a taste of that there now. Well, uh, yeah, like a fucking like knowing too well, I was gonna fucking plug the thing anyway. Like you know, but oh, I'll have a little taste of that now. I'll see what I see if see if I fancy that one. But I, all of those were actually yeah. so delicious. The first the first day that we had the orange ball, we went into Phil Grimes like straight away after work. Um, we went straight into Phil Grimes. Me and you sat in the high stool. We were the only two in there. Tom wasn't even there. Like we were on our own, looking around for a couple of minutes came down and we were like what have you knew and he started going on about the orange ball and gave us a taste we both got a pint and i said a pints in the last two minutes like it was that good uh that, that i think was, we finished the keg there that night oh like we literally i i we had seven or eight pints i think it was gone fell home like yeah, brilliant. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and 
is there anything you're really, really looking forward to having on draft when this all opens? Like something you're really looking forward to? Um, on draft, I think maybe Castaway again. Like I'm having it out of the can there tonight, and um, it's nice, but I think it's just that, like how fizzy and how sour it is, fresh. Um, it's just it's just magical. I remember I was taking a photo of it there uh, one time, and like whatever the way the lighting in the pub, like, but you could see all the bubbles just like rising in it perfectly and there's like this lovely orangey glow from it and I've got my mouth even watering even though I'm drinking the thing and my mouth even watering thinking of going back to a pub and drink and drink, drinking it um but yeah um I think yeah that that um the castaway um passion for sour is yeah it's something that I just yeah I don't know like it's not even it's not even the point as well like it's just the pub itself, like yeah. Well, just the atmosphere in the pub. Well, you talk about Grady's for the castaway. Yeah, Grady's for the castaway. Yeah, um, just I like actually, uh, Grady's is just a magical bar. Just I, I just think that it's the front door of Grady's is amazing. Like walking in with like twenty taps like directly in front of you, and then the bar expands out around around it like that year it's the first like you're you come in center of the bar and then like all the taps like it's so inviting like and all these all like all like i think the yellow belly um uh so like shout out to peter peter for uh your few um your branding uh competitions and stuff on um on on twitter and stuff but uh but um yeah, yellow belly like that, like that branding, like all the taps with like all the like all the artwork and stuff on them. It's just so inviting to you're like, oh, what the what, what do they have like, you know? And tell us a little story of all, all of them. So yeah, I think it's just it's that right. It's it's that more than the points really. Like it's going like having that um, atmosphere. Um, yeah, the anticipation yeah. as well when you walk in somewhere like that, like Grady's or Phil Grimes, where there's or, or Tully's, where there's rotation taps. And if you haven't been in in two or three weeks and you're like, oh, I wonder what they have. Like that just, that like fucking Christmas, child of Christmas giddiness as well. Uh, Tommy, what, what your your favourite point from last year that sticks in your mind? Uh, maybe just, well, it was a point of Guinness, but Peter might like this one. It was the Friday before Christmas and Owen was with me. We were in Port Leash and uh, we walked into Kavanaugh's and... Um, we were up there for a gig and I remember just the whole buzz of the place. It was the Friday before Christmas. So everyone was kind of finished mm. uh, work for Christmas. Everyone was out enjoying themselves, chatting, having the crack. And I suppose those are the kind of things you take for granted now that you can't actually do. So that was a, a fond memory of 2019, mm. you know, and uh, I think 2020 again, it's just literally going for a fucking pint of plane. I'm going to try and spend as much money as possible now once the pubs are back open in a pub, you know, just, just to, you know, just to. There won't be enough bacon fries to fucking sell. No, no, I won't, no. Have a I won't have a tongue left. It'll be dry. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, what about yourself? Favourite pint from 2019 that sticks out? Well, it sounds like I definitely need to get down to Waterford sometime uh, from, from your descriptions. And <laughs> your podcast as well gives me... There's always you random right people end up in the house, but like you're, I, we have plenty of rooms, come down. <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep on the side of the street anywhere, I don't care. <laughs> <clears throat> but, um, um, the first one that came to my head, um, 
was it was probably around the same time around Christmas last year. Uh, actually, I don't know why I said probably because it definitely was. It was um, the White Gypsy uh, Yule Owl, they call it. So I think oh, yeah. it's kind of Yule as in the, the Latin and then the Owl as in the Irish for drink. Um, and it just really hit the spot. Like it was in Cavanaugh's um, and I was reading. I was, I'm, I run a social group, but I was on my own at this time. So the one thing I pick out is the one time I'm sitting on my own in the pub. Um, and I, but I was reading um, uh, A Christmas Carol, the Dickens book. I don't read very much, but for some reason, I just always read that at Christmas. And I was just sat there at the bar with this really, I don't know, just really Christmassy, malty, kind of spicy kind of drink. I'm not great at describing drink but it was very Christmassy um, and it was lovely and it just really really hit the spot that was the one that jumped out for me for 2019 nice nice memory yeah and uh, a really nice memory unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> uh, now but it is it's just all that experience like the whole thing together like the, the, the being in the pub it was decorated it was a good atmosphere reading a book you know uh, having a nice beer it's just the whole and I think this one will probably uh I think everyone as well, like that, that um, like, you know, what you're saying there, Peter, like drinking in a pub on your own, but it's like, like a pint with a, with a paper and just in the yeah. corner, like you, you can't beat it. Like it's, yeah. it's so good. Like I, I love, I love, like, especially if you're, like, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for somebody, like, you know, you say like, oh, I meet you at four and I'll be, but I'm, I'll be in the pub at three, like, and just that hour, just waiting for the person where mm. you have the paper or you're just talking to the barman trying to just fill that time like but it's just really I, I, I find it really nice like what happens before is, not, is sometimes better than the main event like <laughs> yeah. it, it just reminds me yeah when I was in my 20s and that like just going out <laughs> yeah. locally first and then like you know we, we'd always plan to go to Kilkenny or whatever and go to freaking Morrison's and the left bank and what's that one of the one in Kilkenny? Billy Burns. By the river. Matt the Millers. Matt the Millers. Yeah, places like that. We'd always end up in places like that. But the the things that always stick out in my mind is the the few points we had locally, just sitting, you know, around yeah. having a laugh, playing pool, playing cards or whatever. Um it's just mm. yeah. It's the simple things in life. And what what are you looking for? I'm welling up here. What, what, what are you looking forward to most, uh, Peter, when the public open? Oh, probably, I mean, the, the 12 acres pale ale, while it's nice in the bottle, it, it is much better in draft. Um, totally classic but, down here, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, like what Tommy was saying earlier, that the, for some reason, that, that, that kind of nitrogen getting the stout, it, it, you, like it's just one of those things that you can't really get at home. Like you kind of, I mean, I don't really actually. Re I used to drink Guinness a lot when I was a, when I was younger, um, but I don't really drink it that much now. But for some reason, I have a real hankering for like a, because I suppose because I just can't get it now. Like, well, I suppose I could get it in the cans, I guess, but um, it's not the same. But I'd love to see, you know, an, an Irish craft brewery doing. Um, like a nitrogen stout, nitro stout, something like that would be lovely though. If we, yeah, um, yeah. In the I mean, our, our the Snowcast logo is actually two nitro stouts that ironically aren't actually Irish. They're from Colorado, the Left Hand Brewing Company. Their nitro stout is delicious, and 
I'd love a point of that now, to be honest. There's two points from 2019 that really, three, I'm going to say three, fuck it. I, there's three that really, really stick out from 2019. I think my favourite individual point of 2019 was I was sitting Phil Grimes, myself and Owen were recording a podcast. Um, I don't even know if we had a guest that night, and I was in early. Um, I was getting a spin in from Neve. She was going somewhere at a certain time, so I was in about a half an hour before Owen. And it was maybe late September, early October, but it was quite cold. And I remember getting in the back door, dusting myself down, and I got a pint of eight degrees Citra Pale Ale. And really, really nice pint. But I sat in Phil Grimes, there was this really low table at the back with a load of board games and books around it. And I was on my own and the snug was taken. I like sat down there on my own and uh, I was basically sitting facing the stove and I had a pint in front of me and the stove was like illuminating the pint. I was on my own, it was nice and quiet. It was just a fucking lovely pint. And there's two other real points I have to give a shout out to from 2019. One is another U- a US pint from Founders Brewing in Michigan. Uh, it was a night that, again, it's probably more associated with the fucking great night that we had more than anything. Uh, two of my brothers, Ian and Mark, were up from Cork and we met Owen. Um, we were supposed to meet Owen and Phil Grimes and when I texted Owen, he was in Grady's yard on his own having a pint. So uh, coming from the restaurant that we had been in to go to Phil Grimes, we were passing Grady's yard anyway and we spotted Owen through the window and just happened that they had um, the green zebra uh, goss, uh, uh, which, which is a German style of brewing that, that nobody really does much anymore. Uh, Yellow Belly did did a did a ghost last year. Um, it's like a they did a seaweed one last year. It's like this salty sour kind of style, really really good. But the green zebra was like four point six percent. It was a watermelon. There was a, a watermelon flavored. Oh fuck yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, like it sounds so wrong, but it was also right. Like you know. It was fucking mm. And um, the other one, the best the best point I had in twenty nineteen was that, do you remember Owen in uh, Phil Grimes? He only had one keg of the Tom. Um, and we ba- basically drank the keg in the, uh, in the snug one night. The Dunkel, you're dead right, Peter. Dunkel. The Iinger Carlin Dunkel. That, that stuff was like, you know, it's the kind of stuff that if you're drizzling it on pancakes, you just end up drinking the bottle yourself before you make the pancakes. Really, really good. So if I get any of those in a pint when the pubs reopen, I'd be fucking thrilled. Um, <laughs> absolutely thrilled. Um, listen lads we're, we're going to wrap up the podcast now probably stop recording in a second and we're going to have a can together just to chill um, I just want to say before we go you can follow us on social media Snowcast on Instagram Facebook Twitter the usual uh, no one was stupid enough to take those handles and usually we put up a, a put out a, a, a cry for, for new patrons on our Patreon at the end of the podcast but instead of doing that and also we've actually got two new patrons uh, this week so I just want to give those two guys a shout out thanks a million for, for joining uh, but instead of putting a shout out for patrons on Patreon, I just want to say, uh, like I said last week, the, the Waterford Food Bank and other food banks around Ireland uh, are really struggling at the moment. They're going to have a huge increase on the demands that they usually have and they're struggling for food at the moment. So if you have an extra five or ten or this week, instead of um, spending it on something stupid, maybe if you have an extra five or ten or the hand, uh, buy a couple of tins of beans or or, or, or peas or a few few boxes of soup or bags of soup for um for your local food bank. Um listen lads, this has been this week's version of self isolated in with the Snowcast, Portish Pub Club and Tommy Kyrie of, of the Irish Design Podcast. Thanks a million for tuning in guys. Say goodbye to the listeners and viewers.
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 